0: Alright, so last week, I began a new sermon series on the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're calling it When You Come Together. Uh, We're talking in this series of six or so sermons about the profound fellowship that we experience in God's family. And I said last week that we were apart for so long, uh, for a few months, we were not getting together regularly, that I figure... We need to relearn how to come together, what it looks like for the church to be one, for the church to be unified, to be a family of God's people. And last week, we talked about unity because that's how Paul starts his letter to the Corinthian Christians, 1 Corinthians, the first four chapters. Paul emphasizes the importance of unity in the church. And we talked about how that unity is based in, is founded on the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said, when I came to you speaking to the Corinthians, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So central is the event of the cross. Paul says, that was my main focus. And everything else that I talked about and did in your midst had that as its central point. So we talked about the cross, and we talked about how the cross is the foundation for the unity that we experience and that we enjoy In the church. So that was chapters one through four that we talked talked about several verses from those chapters last week. This week we're going to be in chapter 12 and I would invite you to open up your Bible to first Corinthians this marvelous letter in the New Testament and go with me whether you're in this room or you're down in the gym. Uh, I can't see you but I would still encourage you to go with me to first Corinthians chapter 12 and this is where we're going to camp out this morning. So far in this letter, Paul has compared the, the church to God's field. You may remember that image from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Paul said, I came along and I planted the seed. And Apollos, another well-known Christian minister and preacher, came through Corinth and he watered the seed. But it was God who provided the growth. He provided the increase in your midst. And so he said the church is like a field. He also said the church is like a building in that same verse. In that image, Paul came through and laid the foundation. And the foundation is none other than Jesus Christ our Lord. And other people came after him. Other Christians came and they built on that foundation. And so the church is compared to a building and also in this book, Paul compares the church to the temple of God, that grand edifice in the Old Testament where all of God's people would gather to worship and where God's presence dwelled in a very special way. God, or Paul here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says the church is now the temple of God because it is in the midst of the church that God's Holy Spirit dwells. So it's like the temple. So the church has been compared to a field, to a building. To the Temple, and in chapter twelve, maybe we get here paul 's favorite image for the church, or maybe it 's his second favorite image because Paul, in his letters, does talk a lot about how the church is a family, and that imagery is is just has so permeated our language we almost don 't even think of it as an image, and that 's a good thing I mean, I listened to dan 's prayer earlier, and he repeated this idea that we are a family and We're thankful that we are a family of God's people. And these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are sons and daughters of God. You know, that language is so permeated. Well, it's so present in the New Testament. It's so permeated our language that we forget it's an image. One of Paul's favorite images. But maybe his second favorite image is the image that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's an image he uses elsewhere in his letters in Romans chapter 12. In Ephesians chapter 1, it gets a mention in those verses, but he greatly elaborates. He spends a lot of time developing this image in our text, 1 Corinthians 12. And you already know what it is because you listened to the scripture reading earlier. The image is the church as a body. As the church is compared to the human body. Let's read chapter 12, verse 12. Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. The church is like a body. We are comprised of many members and yet we are one. We are a united body and yet we are made up of many different parts and members. The church is a body. The church is the body of Christ. This image, this very important, influential, biblical image used by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us of some very important truths about the church. And these are the truths I want to share with you in our sermon this morning. Just three of them. We might could derive more, but I'm just, I just want to talk about three. The first is this. The church is like a body in that It is characterized by unity in diversity. The church is characterized by unity in diversity. And that's what this image teaches us about the church. In fact, it seems to be the primary point of comparison. The reason that Paul wants to use this image in the first place is because like the body, our bodies are one and yet they are made up of many different parts. We have our Heads and our feet and our hands and our lungs and our hearts and our ears and our noses and our mouths, and yet they're all part of one system, of one unit. And likewise, Paul wants to say the church is one and yet comprised of many parts. He says it in verse 12, which we read earlier. He reiterates it in verse 14. Let me just sort of run through these really quickly. Verse 14 the body does not consist of one member but of many. Verse 20. As it is, there are many parts or many members, yet one body. One more, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Many members that comprise one body. One body made of many members. Paul wants us to know that the church, like the body, like our bodies, like the body of Christ, is characterized by unity and diversity. Despite our many different gifts and abilities... And it is a discussion about spiritual gifts that leads Paul to share this image with the Corinthian believers. In fact, chapter 12 begins and ends with a discussion about the various gifts that were provided to the Corinthian believers through or by means of the Spirit. And Paul enumerates those, but he says they all came from the same God and they are all to be used for the same purpose. He talks about spiritual gifts at the beginning and the end of this chapter, and so we all have many different gifts, many different abilities and talents, and as we think about not just our congregation, but the church, the world over, the global church, we come from many different backgrounds, many different ethnic backgrounds, many different socioeconomic backgrounds, and yet we have been brought together as One In one body. He says this in verse 13, and I have this up on the screen. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The spirit of God has been poured out into the hearts of every baptized believer. And despite our various differences, we've been brought together in one body. And so as our bodies are not comprised of one type of part, we've got many different parts, many more than I just listed a few moments ago. So the church is not comprised of one type of member. Let's read verses 15 through 17 again. And I've got them up here on the screen. We read these earlier. I love how Paul develops this. It's very imaginative. It's very creative. And and because of that, it's very well known among us. He says... If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. It is still an equal part of the body, even if it feels like it's not as useful as another part. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Paul reminds us, that in the church, unity does not mean uniformity. We are all very different. We have different interests and talents and gifts and roles to play. And we have different backgrounds and different family structures. And as we think about the global church, we've come from different countries. And yet the beautiful thing about the church is that we are bonded together through the greatest bond ever the bond of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's remarkable. It's the strongest bond that exists on planet Earth, and it brings seemingly different, completely different people together into one unit. And aren't you glad that we are not all the same? Aren't you glad that the church is not just made up of all eyes or all ears or all feet or all hands? Aren't you glad That the church is not just made up of a bunch of Josephs? Wouldn't that be obnoxious? That would be so annoying if it was just people like me? But as it stands, there are many different people in the body. And we complement each other. And it's a beautiful thing. And Paul wants to to remind us with this image that the church, like the body, is characterized by unity in God. Diversity, But he also, as we get further into this chapter, as we continue to read, he also wants to use this image to remind us that members that seem less important are actually indispensable. Paul wants to use this image for the church, the body, to remind each of us that members that we view or deem as maybe less important well, they're actually worthy of greater honor. And they are the very ones that we cannot do without. They are indispensable. Look with me in verses 21 and 22 of chapter 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You know, in the human body, in our bodies... The small parts serve a big function. Think about your ears for a second. Our ears are small. I mean, some of you, your ears are a little bit big for your head, and uh, maybe they sort of stick out a little bit. You know, I found when I've worn my mask, it causes my ears to stick out a little bit. That's not very, you know, flattering. And if People are turning and looking at you. You're probably one of those people with big ears that stick out. So I'm sorry. Maybe you didn't realize that about yourself. But comparatively speaking, our ears are small. And yet none of us would want to do without our ears. Because they allow us to hear the the beautiful voices. And, oh, should I also say cries of our children? Maybe some of us would rather not hear the cries of our children. Except maybe that first cry when you first meet your little one. Or the birds chirping outside. Or the voices of a congregation joining together in song. Think of how diminished we would be. Think of how much we would be missing out if we didn't have our ears and the wonderful function that they provide to our bodies. And similarly, the body, the church, sometimes the... The seemingly small parts serve a big, important role or function. Let me tell you this. In the church, in the body of Christ, there are no non-essential members. We have grown accustomed to this language in recent weeks. We have been told there are such a thing as essential workers and non-essential workers. And it's caused many of us to think about the nature of work. But in the church, let me say this again, there are no non-essential members. And we ought to be honest with ourselves and admit that sometimes we exalt certain personalities, you know, the ones that are more outgoing, the ones that are more gregarious, the ones that are more upfront. We think those types of people are more important in the church. Certain roles, you know, the role of a preacher or a minister or a youth minister, the role of an elder, the role of a deacon, we view these as more important than the others. Certain gifts, if you have the gift of teaching, the gift of preaching, or other more public gifts, we view Christians like that as maybe being better or more important in the body. This chapter, this image, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, pushes back against such thinking. And this chapter reminds us that the smaller quieter roles are every bit as important as the louder, more public roles. There are no minor players in the church. And those who sort of serve behind the scenes, those whose actions and good deeds go unnoticed, they are deserving of every bit as much honor as those of us who are more visible, if not more honor. You know, I think about... The verses we read earlier in you know, 15 and 16 where Paul says if the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. Well, we've made certain people feel as if they don't belong based on their gift set or their talents or abilities and we need to stop. We need to, uh, we need to validate every person in the body, every gift. That's what God would have us to do. That's what Paul is teaching here. What he reminds us is if you're connected to the body, then you have a vital function just by virtue of being a part of the body. So don't say, because I am not gifted like so-and-so because I can't serve like brother so-and-so, because I don't have the talents of sister so-and-so, I am not as important, I am not as valuable, I am not as worthy. If you're part of the body and if you're a baptized believer, then you are part of the body. You matter. Your gifts matter. You have an important role and function to play in the church. There are no non-essential members in the church. Paul levels the playing field. We all have an important role to play from the very small to the very big, from the private to the public, from the seen to the unseen. We all matter to God. And for the body to function properly, we've all got to be serving where God wants us to serve. Now let me share one more truth about the church that this image should remind us of, that Paul wants to remind us by using this image, and it's this. Each of us is affected by the experience of our fellow members. Let me read the second part of verse 24 to 26 of this chapter. Paul writes, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We do not play favorites. We do not show favoritism or or favor in our care one over another on any grounds, on any basis. We exhibit the same care because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ and sons and daughters of God. So we have the same care. For each other regardless of our background or our role in the church in verse 26 if one member suffers all should suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together so in the body we are reminded that when one part is not working properly it affects the entire system or we, the reverse of that is true when one part is working properly then it positively affects the entire system But the entire system is affected by the working of one part regardless. One of my first trips with the youth group here when I was youth minister was also one of my worst, personally speaking. Some of you know this story. We were traveling over to West Tennessee for Rush at Freed Hardeman University and along the way I became so dizzy and disoriented that I decided I could not drive safely the church bus filled with these precious young people you're welcome parents any longer and i said lauren you are going to have to take the wheel which if you know my wife you know that that is her worst nightmare to drive a large vehicle by that time we had reached the old hickory exit getting close to nashville and i pulled off and she had to take the wheel of that squeaky wobbly bus and drive it through downtown nashville because i think it was before 840 was finished And so I would not have put that burden upon her unless I really did feel bad and I really felt bad. I hopped in a car, which was following along, and as we drove across the state, I just got worse and worse, felt worse and worse. By the time we pulled into the parking lot, the first thing I did was open the passenger door of that car, swing my legs around, and vomit all over the parking lot of Fried Hardeman, Again, this is like the first trip besides church camp that I had taken with our young people. What a wonderful first impression to make upon these teenagers and their families. And I just felt worse and worse. I mean, completely disoriented and dizzy. I couldn't hardly walk around. Uh, Eventually, Lauren just took me to Jackson and to an urgent care place, and they gave me a shot for nausea, and I went to her grandmother's house in Jackson and crashed for the whole weekend while the kids, the poor kids, had to fend for themselves. <laughs> not a good first outing with the youth group, not a good trip. But I share all of that with you to say that one tiny problem in my inner ear affected my entire body. Lauren says it also affected my mental capacity because in the urgent care place, I was saying things like, when are they going to take me back? When are they ever going to call me back to help me? Why, why isn't anybody helping me? That's very embarrassing. Yikes. I should have a higher tolerance for discomfort and pain than that. But it affected everything. The way that my limbs worked, my walking, my thinking, uh, it upset my stomach. There was not a part of my body that was unaffected by a tiny little problem in my inner ear. In the human body when one part is not working properly, it affects the entire system. And in the church, in the body of Christ, the sorrow experienced by one should be felt by all. And the honor experienced by one should be the cause of everyone's rejoicing. In other words, we must develop the capacity to empathize with each other. To feel what it feels like to be a brother or sister in Christ, whether it's for the good or bad, to put ourselves in their shoes and walk a mile or two. I think about Romans chapter 12, verse 15, where Paul says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's what it means to be in the body. When one of our number is suffering, that experience should be felt by the rest of us. When one of our number is rejoicing, then we should share in their joy too. I think about the song, God's Family, where in the second verse we sing, when a brother meets sorrow, we all feel his grief. And when he's passed through the valley, we all feel relief. Now there's an added component to that, and that is, we cannot feel your sorrow and your suffering if you are not willing to share that with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're just going to come in here with a brave face and a fake smile and we are never allowed to see beyond that veneer to the pain within your heart, if you never reveal that, then we can't feel that sorrow and that suffering with you. And on the other end of the spectrum, we must be willing to rejoice in the successes of others. And that's difficult for many of us, isn't it? For, I don't know, envy or, or covetousness or, or whatever that is, that when something goes well for somebody else, we think, oh, we don't wish them well, or maybe we wish their success was ours. We struggle with rejoicing in the successes of others, but we've got to, uh, we've got to develop the confidence and the humility That it takes to truly feel joy and happiness when something good happens to a brother or sister in Christ where we get to the point where we feel as happy and joyful over their success as they do. That's what it means to be in the body. We feel a brother or sister's sorrow and we also experience their joy. All of this that I've mentioned and much more is what it means to be the body. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. I once heard a preacher tell about when he served a little church in a little town in East Tennessee a long time ago. One Sunday evening, the whole congregation gathered at a nearby lake because somebody wanted to be baptized. The new believer went down into the water, took on Christ in baptism, and then came back to the shore where that small group of Christians, that small congregation was singing a hymn. And When the song was over... One of the leaders of the church introduced the newest member. He told everybody gathered the member's name and where he lived and where he worked. And then all the members surrounded that new convert and introduced themselves one by one like this. My name is, and if you ever need... So they went around the circle. They said, my name is, and if you ever need help with laundry, my name is and if you ever need anybody to chop wood, my name is, and if you ever need anybody to babysit, my name is, and if you ever need anybody to fix something around your house, uh, repair, my name is, and if you ever need a car to go into town, and around they went until every person had spoken. And when it was all over, and most of the congregation had scattered and gone home, one of the older gentlemen said to that young preacher, Folks, don't ever get any closer than this. In the body, in this body, we all have different roles and gifts and talents, different contributions to make. And in the body, in this body, we use those gifts and talents and roles not for our sake but for the sake of other members of the body, for the common good to build us up, to edify us. So let me ask you some questions as we close. How are you using your unique gifts or abilities for the sake of others? For the common good in the body? Are you? Have you thought about what you can contribute? And are you contributing? Are you an active part of the body of Christ here? Let me ask you this. If you were removed from this body, would you be missed? Would we feel the void that your absence created? Do you feel the pain and the joy of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are you so wrapped up in your own life, in your own existence, that all you feel comes from yourself? Listen, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, then you are not yet a part of this body, of the body of Christ the world over. But that can all change today. You can come. You can confess that beautiful name. You can repent of your sins and you can be baptized into Christ. You can go down into that water and up again as a new creature, having your sins washed away. And God will have brought you into His family. He will have made you a member of His family son's body or if this morning you're thinking you know I am a part of the body I am a believer I have been baptized but I feel that by my own actions I have severed myself from the body or I have separated myself from the body and I want to come back into the body and I want to serve a vital role and a function I want to rededicate myself to my Lord and to his church you have the opportunity to do that too why don't you right now as we stand and sing